Welcome to First Draft, everybody. Chris Sproul here with Crystal Clear Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. Daniel, the producer, knows this. Long before the Dos Equis man, the most interesting man in the world, it was Kuyper. And, uh, it still is. It still is, really. Yep. I mean, mystery, enigma. Long before and long after. Long before right. and long after. And uh, guys, segue brilliantly here to say that I think it's time to hit the most interesting guys in this draft. So there's... There's the, there's the top of the board and there's the bottom of the board, but these are the guys that I just feel like could go a lot of different directions. And starting right at the top, Todd, the combine, maybe it was my sense, maybe I talked to all the wrong people. Don't say anything. But a lot of juice around this guy. If I take a quarterback who's been coached by Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley, who threw for 80 touchdowns, has started a million games, and then you go... You, you, the, the box score resume is all there for Jalen Hurts. Where do you think this guy ends up in the draft, and you know where should he land at? What do you make of him? He's a tough evaluation because you love the competitiveness, you love what he brings in terms of mobility. He did throw the ball better at the at the combine, had a more, I would say, a smoother, more compact stroke. But that's the combine. You know, you're throwing in in shorts, and and typically what what quarterbacks do. Even if they're working on their mechanics, what they do throughout their career is basically what they're going to be. You can make some adjustments over your career, but but you're not going to have wholesale changes in terms of your overall accuracy, in my opinion. Very few guys. You know, there are some outliers, but very few guys. I think you bring him in, and I I, I evaluate all positions like this, but. Is he going to be a premier top of the line starter? If so, then we're talking about the first round. Is he going to be a, a, a guy that's a starter right away or is in the sub package if, at a different position, but can contribute in some way, shape, or form? And at the quarterback position, if you're talking about day two, second, third round, then you're talking about a guy who's going to be a really good backup in your opinion. Or, and hopefully down the road, you can develop him into a starter. And then when you get into day three, you're looking for a, a number two or a number three. You're trying to find, you know, a little bit of magic in the bottle. See if there's some developmental upside with a guy, and and see where it goes from there. But you're not counting on anyone from round four through seven at the quarterback position to to ever become a starter. You'd love it, but you're not counting on that. So with Hertz, I think you're looking at a backup quarterback in the league who potentially, maybe, possibly develops into a starter one day. But I I wouldn't bank on it. So in my opinion. I still think he's in third, fourth round range, but I think we're kidding ourselves if we think he's likely to get out of the first three rounds. I don't know what you think, Mel. Yeah, I think, you know, I thought this back when I started to see him in September and October, the improvement was, it was there. I mean, you could see him throwing the ball and being, making throws that he, you didn't always see early on at Alabama, but even then, going back to the Alabama days, you saw some improvement while he was with the Crimson Tide, and I think you have to credit their staff a little bit for his improved passing skills. He was still at 61% you know, during those first two years. He also had 40 touchdowns, 10 picks when he started. That's his touchdown-interception ratio. Chris mentioned 80 touchdowns, only 20 picks. Uh, and then this year, he's around 70% at Oklahoma. Um yeah, I think he's a late second, third rounder. I could see him going. I don't think he gets to day three. I think in the third round, somebody jumps at this guy with his intangibles through the roof. Uh, you know, you run under four six. You saw the rushing touchdowns. He had twenty three uh, at Alabama, twenty, and during his career there, twenty this year at Oklahoma. That's forty three career rushing touchdowns. Uh, he's a dual threat. 
great kid. You can use him like Taysom Hill. You're going to get major contributions from him. I say major. You're going to get significant contributions from him as a rookie. Can't say that about some of these other quarterbacks. So I think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked late second, but I don't think he gets out of the third round. So I don't think we see Here's him Saturday issue, still on the board. Here's the issue. If you really study his game, it, the accuracy is a problem. The biggest problem is his decision-making. He holds on to the ball as long as any quarterback in this draft class. And he had so you know two of the best offensive lines you could ever ask for in, in terms of the supporting cast, plus receivers and talent, running back and all that, both at Alabama and at Oklahoma. Now you can say, well, Baker Mayfield had the, thing, the same thing, and Kyler Murray had the same thing, and some, some other players. But at the end of the day, when you really study him, when he's got to go from progression one to two, when that first read doesn't give him the, the exact clue or the answer to the test, he just holds on to the ball too long. Now, he's got some mobility, so he's been able to overcome it. And then, yeah, he was more accurate throwing at Oklahoma, but really I'm, studied I'm accurate the, at Oklahoma. Studied uh, on some throws, yeah. <laughs> go back and really like study the pressure throws. Yeah. Study the throws where he's got to make quick decisions. Those are the ones in the intermediate routes and leading receivers and those sorts of things. There's so much inconsistency. Being on the field and watching Joe Burrow operate versus what Jalen Hurts was, the level that he was operating on and, and just watching those two, the difference was so great. It's hard to even put into words, Mel. And that, that to me, like, it, it doesn't translate to the NFL very well. And that's why I think at best you're getting a backup. And I, and I, I don't know. When you say contribute significantly, how do you how do you say that as a as a rookie? What how are you going to utilize him? Well, you use him as a Taysom Hill package. He's going to be in there, like we see I with like Lamar it. Jackson, what he's been able to do, and and Taysom Hill's been able to do as a dual threat package. Is just do you think he's for. that athlete though? Yeah, I think he can be. I think he can give you a different look, and mm-hmm. I think he can change things up. He ran four or five nine. He's a thirty five vertical. He's a kid who's a two hundred and twenty plus pounder. He improved. I'm not saying he's perfect. We watch the things. We've seen the yeah. struggles at times. That's why he's a third round pick, and that's why you bring him in and you see what happens. He's got it's like tremendous intangibles. You talk about the Oklahoma. Line. He lost four starters on that line this year. He only had Creed Humphrey back. But, again, you're talking about the Big 12 and the defense is there. I get all that. But he still, I don't care, against air or whatever, he's still throwing against college defenses. He's up at 70%. His touch and intercept for the, holding the ball, he didn't He didn't make mistakes. Uh, you have 80 no, touchdowns, but he was so, 20 picks. but because he held on to the ball so darn long. Well, a lot of quarterbacks do. I mean, he's not the only one that holds on the ball too yeah, long, well, even yeah. in the NFL. That's been the criticism <laughs> of Russell Wilson even in the NFL, uh, that he holds the ball too long. And some other guys do, even coming out of college this year. We see, I can go through the laundry list and of quarterbacks hold the ball too long, but I think the results, the improvement, the results, the dual threat he is. He rushed for a 1298 this year. He went for almost a thousand and was a freshman in 2016 at Alabama. Like I say, he's got 43 career rushing touchdowns. I, I, I'm just saying, in the third round, if you know you're getting contributions from him as a rookie, yeah, you know he's going to be part of packages. You know he's going to get a defensive coordinator something to think about, and you don't know what you're going to get down the road. But in the third round, do you really care? It's not that big a deal, but it's worth bringing him in. I think for somebody at that point, and I thought this back in September, October, with their little piece on .com, I thought it'd be a 2-3. I'll say 3. Uh, 2 might be a little rich, but uh, I I'm think third round... I'm hearing people talk about 2, and I, th- I think it's... 
I think that's rich. I think two's rich. I thought late second, maybe if you're not picking till late third, maybe you take him there. But I think third round is safe, Todd. It's just if you had to say where he'll go. And I do think, I think you will see contributions. And I say significant because when you talk about what Taysom Hill gives significant contributions to New Orleans. And I I don't care if it's, it's sporadic and you don't know what you're getting game to game, how much of it, but the threat's there. The threat to have packages. If you can promise me you're getting, if you can promise me you're getting Taysom Hill, but. You know, that took some time to put together, and, and Taysom, Taysom Hill's a 30. special, he's a special athlete. Yeah, it's a copycat league. Yeah. And then Taysom Hill was an undrafted free agent nobody wanted. Hey. So again, yeah. you know, yeah, this is a guy nobody wanted coming out of BYU. So again, you're talking about a guy who gives them a dimension at teams copycat league. Think of a copycat league, and what Taysom Hill's been able to do, and we see the threat Lamar Jackson is, and we see the dual threat thing now working. So I, I just think from that standpoint, the copycat league it is, somebody will grab him in the third round. Tell you what, I said it was the most interesting players in the draft. Gosh, I'm a good producer and host. I need double credits. I got another one, McShay. At the McShay nightclub. I'm biting my lip today. At the McShay nightclub of football. Yep. Fumbling will get the bouncer on you and get you kicked out. I know yep. this. I've, I've heard you talk about Amir Abdullah on this podcast before and how you like, I love this guy on tape and holy cow, he fumbles every hour. Dobson there sitting there looking at me because he's a Lions fan. Todd, I got this guy. Yeah, it kills me, too. I got this I guy at Wisconsin who rushes for 2,000 yards every year, runs mm-hmm. sub 4-4, is 220, but he gets kicked out of the McShay nightclub because he's a fumbler. What are we going to do with Jonathan Taylor? Most interesting running back in the draft. I'm looking at 35 running backs that we've tracked Ooh. over their career. And it starts with Tony Jones from Notre Dame who had 298 touches, zero fumbles during his career. You go down to some bigger names, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, 439 offensive touches. He had one fumble loss, .46 fumble percentage. Anything over 1% is concerning. Over 1.5 is typically correlated to some issues in the NFL. And at, at a 186 percentage, Jonathan Taylor had nine, now remember, 968 touches, which is a, a whole nother bag of issues that we're going to need to to go through in terms of how much tread on the tire. But with Jonathan Taylor, he had 18 fumbles, 15 of those fumbles lost, a 1.86 fumble percentage. Now, can you cure it? Can you make it better? Yeah. I mean, we've seen some guys improve, and, and certainly I think I think that there's the possibility there. And you look at his game, I I, I would say three things concern you. One, the durability, and he's been remarkably durable. I mean, to have 968 <laughs> touches is stupid. And the ability to, to stay on the field is really is a credit to him, but you have to have some concern because history tells you running backs can, can only take so many hits. The second thing is the fumbles, and then the third issue, when you really study his tape, he is not good in pass protection. He has got a lot of room to improve there. But he, you could argue is the best pure runner in this year's class in terms of vision, patience, hitting the hole, in burst in and out of the, you know, in and out of breaks, acceleration, getting to and through the hole, and then if he gets daylight, he can absolutely take off and run away from guys. So I think he's the best pure runner in this draft. It's can you live with the other stuff and can you improve the fumbling and can you improve um, the pass protection? And if you can, then you're getting, you know, one of the – Best if not, you know, I would put him in the top three. I think it's, it's Swift from, DeAndre Swift from Georgia. 
I think J.K. Dobbins and then Jonathan Taylor to me is a little bit ahead of Clyde Edwards-Elair, but I like Edwards-Elair a lot too. So we've got four really good backs that, in my opinion, all belong in that top 50 range in this year's class. What do you say, Mel? Where's he going to go? He's a tough one. I, you know, I think to say pure runner, and I could play devil's advocate there, and I agree, pure runner when he's got the ball. But if you're a great pure runner, you got to have the ball all the time. You can't have 15 Agreed. fumbles lost. Oh, look at that. And a, that, that factors into your pure running ability. Mm-hmm. If you are a fumbler, and in college, you get a ton of possessions. In the NFL, you don't. If you fumble in the NFL, it kills you. In college, it doesn't, and it still hurt that Wisconsin offense. Go back to the Illinois game, which they lost. Go back to the Oregon game. Oh. You had a fumble there when they stripped by Troy Dye, numerous others. There's 18 fumbles, 15 lost. So Roll part of being a great pure runner is ball security. Now, Tiki Barber got... Better. Yeah, that's what it. I was thinking. Tiki he cured water. it. Yep. He cured it. So again, there are methods and there are techniques and there's ways to carry the football, which they will work with him on. The other issue you mentioned protection is catching the ball. He had a lot of drops and he had balls at the swing pass in the Oregon game. Dropped. Easy little swing pass. Dropped. He caught the ball at the combine. He didn't have a drop there, which was important, but he did have drops at, he's not natural. He didn't appear to be a guy you could count on to be a consistent pass catching weapon. So he's not a versatile guy. He's not a great pass receiver, you mentioned the blocking. Then you think about as a runner with the fumbling. So there's, these are all issues. So, uh, running a 4-3-9 at 226, you mentioned the, the, the carries. You know, you got a lot, you said tread on the tires. We've discussed that for running backs. Uh, but at the end of the day, how, where does he go? He goes second round, probably. Yep. Uh, I don't think he gets into the third round. I don't think he goes in the first, but I think he goes in the second. You wish he was more complete. You wish there was no fumbling issue, but there are. That's reality. So he's a second rounder that could either be a steal, Todd, if you fix the fumbling and improve the receiving. If he's just adequate as a receiver, I'm not that worried. If he's just adequate, but the drops kill drives in the NFL. The fumbles destroy you. So there are two key areas that he better improve. One, he has to. Because if you're fumbling in NFL, you're not going to be on the field. So, again, the one, he has to, and the receiving, you hope he gets a little bit better. And maybe the combine indicates he's working on that. So we'll see. He's, he's, he's second round. You roll the dice there. If, if he, if he isn't, then you say, what's a second round pick? Not going to kill us there. If we, if, I mean, but you're, you're we could, we could get a top like, 10 caliber guy here. Like candy. Picks. I mean, what's a second round pick? He better be a damn good no, starter. No, no, for I, me. I know what I'm saying is, Todd. That you just gave away in the, in the last segment about, about Jalen Hurts. That better be a solid no, no, starter I'm for saying me where too. He'll go. So now I've lost two starters with you, Kuyper. Well, well wait a minute. I wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Now we're getting contributions <laughs> from the third round. Out of we're, the we're, night we're getting, yeah, he's getting contributions from my third round guy. We wouldn't have let him in the beginning. We're getting a second round guy who could be as equal to a top 10, top 15 pick if the improvement occurs. So if he doesn't improve, you've lost a second-round pick because you can't play with a guy who's fumbling the ball and is inconsistent catching. It isn't going to work. All but right. if he does improve, right. then you got to, as a runner, you got a guy who's top 10, top 15, and that could make you feel like you get a steal in round two. So it, while it's risky, it could be a steal. Could be a thing, bust. We'll see. The other thing, too, that teams are measuring is, yeah, we want Jonathan Taylor. He's a really good player, but I can get Cam Akers from Florida State, and he – there's not a ton of difference, and he's more complete, and he can pass block. He's he's I can he's get him lower down the, the list on Sproul's most interesting players in the draft. Guys, we got to keep this okay. going. I got yep. too many too many interesting Go guys ahead. here. I was going to mention Zach Moss too. A lot of people think he's in the top three running backs this class. Go ahead, Utah. All right, thank you. Here we go. Most interesting player in the draft number three, Mel. You get less than two minutes on this because right. I got too many guys. Donovan Peoples Jones. What do you do? He's not Darius Hayward Bay in terms of no production, but what do you do with a guy who's got size, he runs real fast, he jumps real high, 44, something crazy, he's got hands, 
and then he doesn't have much production. What do you do with a guy like this? I watched him a lot, and we've seen a ton of this kid. And, you know, not quite as athletic on tape as he tests. He was a five-star recruit, average route runner at best. Uh, secures the ball now. He's got the catch radius. He had a few drops, but he's got a good catch radius. He body catches some, run after the catches there. You don't get a lot as a blocker. Uh, but that average per catch, he had six games this year where he didn't have a long of 20 yards. Six games where he didn't have a long of 20 yards. Shea never Patterson, average, never Patterson average, throw an accurate ball over 20 yards? Well, let me get to that in a minute. Never averaged more than 13 yards per catch in his career. Now, he had under 4, 5, 44 and a half vertical, long, all these things. Looks great in the uniform. Looks like he could be a fear factor player. But he never was. He averaged 12, 9 a catch. And you could say, well, the best in his career was 13. Now you say, well, it's the quarterback. Shea Patterson's not that great. Shea Patterson's not awful. And the fact of the matter is, Nico Collins averaged almost 20 yards a catch. Ronnie Bell averaged almost 16 yards a catch. So two other receivers killed him in terms of average per catch. Okay? Denzel Mims at Baylor. Tested great, and he made a ton of big plays. Okay, other guys made a ton of big plays. Donovan Peoples Jones did not. So, you know, he to me, we talk about rolling the dice. Where do you roll the dice on this guy? Uh, you, you think second, third round, maybe? But to me, you talk about another guy who's an enigma, who is one of those we talk about. And I don't take boomer bust guys, Todd. I don't like wow. unless you get him in the fifth round. I'll take a boom if he drops. If you project Peoples Jones as a two on ability, on potential, I'd say, and you see him there in the fourth, fifth round. Then you say, well, maybe we can, if it comes together, we'll take him. Okay. We'll take him there. So, but if he's going second round, let somebody else take him. Just to give perspective on this guy, you're talking about six, one and a half, 212 pounds, 33 inch arms, which is long, big hands, 10 and an eighth of an inch. He ran a four, four, eight, a one, five, four in the 40 yard dash, in the 10 yard split, I should say, with a 44 and a half inch vertical. Yeah, he looks the part. And 11, seven, which I think, I'm looking right now, 11, seven is the best broad jump of yeah. all of these guys. So you're should talking be a top 10 pick in the first round. Size, yeah. speed, initial acceleration, lower body explosion, everything you look for, right? 121 catches for this number one receiver coming out of out of high school. I mean, he was the number one guy that year. Ahead of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, all these other guys. And he had 121 catches in three years. And look, I mean, you look at Judy, obviously you had Tua Tungabailoa, I get it. But you got to make plays. And he didn't. And the other thing that's that's damning about Peoples Jones, and it's frustrating because I want this guy to be good. You I were wanted about him a few weeks ago, McShay. I'm saying he's got. I, what I said to you was he's going to have a huge workout, and I just listed but off. You like them? The huge. I don't. Now you're down on. I didn't okay. say I like him. I'm saying I, he's got ability. Hate Can you bring it out of him? But he forced just 12 missed tackles Oof. his entire career at Michigan. Think about. I, I, I can find three missed tackles on a given play from Ruggs or Jalen Waddle from uh, Alabama, or Jerry Judy, those guys. So something's missing. I can't figure it out. Part of it was the quarterback position, but you can't blame the quarterback. Yeah, I, to me, if if you I were can. to tell me we can get him in the fourth, fine, we'll take him in the fourth, third. I feel like we're reaching anything before the third. It's yeah. you're making a mistake. I that think. same quarterback was throwing the Ronnie Bell and Nico Collins. So maybe. again, you know, if you're Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, maybe the light goes on. You know, some guys play this game because they can play it. Okay, and he maybe one of those guys that plays because he can. And then you know, say, but you say the numbers for what he is physically and athletically don't add up. All so right. uh, you know, again, where does he go? I, I say, where does bottom line is Todd? I'll ask you this question: What round does he go? Not where you think he should. Where does he go? Third. Okay. 
You know what, Mel, uh, Mel you remember uh, Pat Bowen, this one's for John? Yep. Uh, Mayock should hand in the card and say this one's for Al and take Peoples Jones in the first. <laughs> Hayward Bay, that sucker, man. Fabian Washington. Look at those numbers. Just take him in the first for Al Davis. All right, Todd. Todd, <laughs> I love this. That. I love that this. Not like I say it, Todd. That's like how like my I mom do. would say it when she was mad. I like, uh, <laughs> Matt Bowen, uh, one of our colleagues here at ESPN, said if Raekwon Davis was on his team, he'd have Raekwon cut off his sleeves and go stand at midfield during warm-ups and just kind of walk around because half the other team wouldn't come out of the locker room for the game. That's yeah, kind he's of a that, scary sucker, man. He, he's he's all of it, man. He's six 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 seven, strong. And you in the SEC, where there's a lot of big dudes who can move, Raquan Davis. You go, who's that guy? But Mel, can he uh-huh. play? Early on, he looked like a, a guy was going to be a superstar, and then the sack production dropped. Uh, he didn't get off the line of scrimmage that much. Uh, he didn't get in the backfield wreaking havoc. On occasion, he'd flash, and you think, okay, now it's going to be something we can build on. Didn't happen. He had players around him. Uh, he was expected to be the force. Um, he's more of a, what, what Ashawn Robinson was than what that, you know, Reed developed into and some of the other guys there, like Hand and company. But those guys uh, went, what, 42 and, Payne, and 43 and overall. Payne, yep. uh, and that group that, that came out with, you know, Jonathan Allen, all the guys, that long list of names that came out of that Alabama program from the defensive front. Uh, you kept waiting for it. And hand fighting against college linemen, none of which, uh, yeah, a lot of which are not going to be in the National Football League, doesn't get it done for me. Sack production, minimal. Um, I know he made tackles and I know he did some things there as a stay at home. The days of the stay at home tackle are over. Um, somebody's going to probably take him in a second round. Uh, yep. But fine. But the, you know, I don't see it. I, I didn't, for today's game, I don't see it. Now maybe he'll get bat passes down like Jones gets thwarted at the line and Chris Jones will bat passes down at times. He's got to learn to do that. He did it some, but, uh, you know, no. To me, you know, that's a guy somebody may take a little, uh, significantly higher than I would grade him. Yeah, I mean, Raekwon's really good as a run defender. He's got some power moves in the interior. I think you'd feel really good about getting him in the third because he, 10 years ago, he's, we're talking about him late first to mid second. Now I think he's more of a late second to third round type prospect because you're, you're just not able to keep him on the field as much as you want and, and you, you lack the ability to be multiple. Now he's not, He's not debilitating in the pass game. I'm not saying that. He's going to push the pocket. He's going to do some things. But he just he hasn't learned to finish consistently. He's got to develop some moves. So there's there's some upside there. There's some room for improvement. But um, he also needs to – he grew up this past year, and it was cool to sit down and talk to him. He realized that he kind of was running with the wrong guys on this defensive line and, and wanted to be to return and become a leader, and he did that. He accomplished that, and he showed a lot of maturity doing that. Uh, but as far as, as a football player, I think you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's going to be in there first, maybe first, second down, and you're probably going to want to take him off the field if you have the ability to do so in order to bring in someone who's, who's more adept and at finishing as a pass rusher. These guys are just too, too damn interesting. All right, guys, we got to go most interesting guy in the draft lightning round here. Todd, you get to kick it off. What am I going to do with Patrick Queen? He's 227. You have him as listed as an inside linebacker. Does that make him Levante David or a Will or a Bust? What, what do I do with this guy? Typically, if, I, if I'm listing him as inside, it means off the ball. Yeah. So, how you know, it's 
edge guys, strong outside linebackers, defensive, you know, defensive ends that are hybrids that are going to move back to a three-four outside backer. Sam linebackers that are playing up on the line versus a tight end or, or rushing off the edge. Those guys are outside backers. And inside are the guys that you see off the ball, whether that's a, a Will, you know, the weak inside linebacker, or Will linebacker, or the Mike, uh, the middle linebacker. Those are the guys that they have it inside. So with Queen, he's clearly a, a Will linebacker, which means he's going to play on the weak side. He's going to have a little bit more space, and if you do things properly up front, it's going to allow him to, to run and chase and pursue, which he does best. He plays bigger and tougher than his size, but yeah, he's got... Shorter than 32-inch arms. He's under 230. He'll bulk up. You know, those, all these guys take off a little bit of weight in order to run faster. But he, he's going to bulk up. But he ran a 4.50. Let's not forget, and we just talked about Donovan Peoples-Jones, who at, what, like 208 pounds, ran a 1.54 in his 10-yard split. Todd this loves 10-yard split. This guy ran a 1.51. So you're talking about that initial acceleration, then a 35-inch vertical, a 10.5 broad jump. He's... He's one of those guys, like, you can have the measurables, and I, I see explosion in those numbers. You can have the 229. I'm cool with that. He'll be 237 in two years. You can take his 31-inch arms. I'm fine with that, too. Study his tape. He's the best player on the field on the defensive side for LSU just about every single down, especially late in the year when they really needed him. I would take him in the, I would take him late in the first and, and be totally fine sleeping that night. And if I got him early in the second, I would think it's a steal. Because he's going to start right away. He's a plug-and-play starter as my will linebacker. He can cover, and I can keep him on the field the whole game. Mel, similar height to Levante. Chris mentioned Levante David. Yep. Six one, six foot and a half, same height. Yep. Queen a little taller. It's both 229, 233, same weight, same weight to play at. Arm length, 31 and 5 eighths, 31 and 3 quarters. Same with Levante David. Yeah. 35 vertical for Queen, 36 and a half for David. Bigger hands for Queen, 10 to 8 and 3 quarters. So a lot of similarities to a guy who's been a heck of a player what was for it, a long time. Do you have time. David speed, Levante speed? 465. Yeah, and and Queen ran what a four, four five four five four, four five one. Yeah, no, four, I'm five, bummed. Oh. I had you down for four, a Derek, five, Brooks oh. comp. Derek Brooks comp. Well, you can go either way. I mean, you don't want to go too crazy, but I do I think the Ravens. I mocked them to the Ravens in mock one and mock two, wow, uh, and I do think the Ravens would be a great pick for for him. Uh, you know, great fit for what he does. Dave Aranda said he's the most improved defensive player on that talent laden defense that underachieved early. Saved the day uh, in the in the in that championship game with a couple tackles that were huge. Uh, he's perfect. Todd talked about what if, if this guy was playing in 1985. Well, he's playing Queen today is is ideal the way he flies around. Deion Jones. We Saw come out of LSU what he meant yep, to that Atlanta defense when he was healthy. So I, th- I think Queen's a late one. I think the Ravens, I'm hoping that my Baltimore Ravens end up with Patrick Queen. I love how I put down Levante <laughs> David and Mel has to check raise me, Deion Jones, a guy out of LSU. That's good. All right. I know I'm, I'm excited about this one. So we got this guy. It, back in the day, Mel, you mentioned 1985. This is the prototype. Back before we were drafting center fielders and walk ons number one overall. Jacob Eason is your guy, but I don't know if he's Jim Druckenmiller or Joe Flacco. Todd, we, we got to go lightning round here. What am I? What do I make of Jacob Eason, who's got the rocket laser arm, but he might put it in the fourth row? I mean, I'm sure Kuiper loves him. It's like you know the throwback. <laughs> what is it, Bert? Who, who's your guy from like the 70s? Uh... Shut up. <laughs> You bring up the Flintstones again with me. I mean, geez, I'm, I'm going to save that for that. draft night. Yeah, oh, you already used it already. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Go ahead. Eason's tough. I mean, I had him against BYU. I've, I've told you guys this, and and thought he was awesome. 
and thought he kind of finally broke through after you know his, his injury situation at Georgia showed a lot of promise early on. You, talk, you go and talk to people in Georgia, and it's no secret now. He, he would like to go out and have fun with his guys, and they thought maybe he wasn't as dialed in as he should have been and had some maturing to do. Um, he transfers to Washington after losing his job to Jake Fromm, who doesn't have any of the ability of these guys that he keeps beating out, but but just finds a way. But Eason moves out to Washington, where he's originally from that, that part of the country, and things were going well. But then they started to play better competition than BYU. And that was kind of the issue with him all year long, the inconsistency with his with his accuracy, with his decision-making, and and just, I think, also his ability to extend plays initially. You know, he's not a horrible runner when he gets out running, but but it's basically just a lack of suddenness inside the pocket that's, that's concerning for me. But if you're talking about a big-time arm and the ability to develop throwing the ball down the field, if you, you're looking for that guy as a backup initially that maybe you can develop, then yeah, take a shot on him in the second round. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't gamble any earlier than – than the second, at least. Can't argue with the second round on him, Todd. Uh, yeah, he does have an, an incredible arm. Uh, now, at the combine, and I don't want to care too much about that, but there was a little inconsistency there. Um, you watch him, and I like the, you know, the swagger, the, the, you know, just that, the intangibles thing and all that. When you watch these guys, they, you know, the meltdown in the fourth quarter or not leading his team to victories when they had games against, you mentioned competition, Oregon and Utah were the two games when I'm watching them in the fourth quarter, not necessarily make the plays that you needed to make, uh, to win those games, two losses at home to teams, like I said, they could have won those games um but that you can't you know, overlook size he's got imposing size he's got the powerful arm um there's something that may be missing there as well which is why in the second round somebody will probably take him and not the first uh but he's a roll of the dice too i think uh, sprout you gotta give sprout credit todd he came up with some good names of, of those enigmas. Those yeah. kind of we talked, we labeled them in the old days before you were born, boomer bust. Um, that when you got a guy like that, you probably don't take them because you don't know. I always say if you don't know and you're not sure what a guy, because you always think, Todd, there are guys you're pretty confident in. They're going to be wrong on some of those guys, but the guys you don't really have a good hand. And there'll be guys you'll evaluate and you say, I really don't know what he's going to be. Yeah, I don't really know. And unless you get those guys like Eason in the fourth round. If he's there in the fourth, fifth round, yeah. But in the second round, let somebody else take him. If people you're not Jones a- in the fourth, fifth round, they're not people Jones in the second. Jonathan Taylor and maybe third, fourth, not in the second. So those are guys, if they're two rounds later than you think they should be, maybe you consider them, but not where they're going to be taken. And if you're not able to move and create on your own, which you know Kyler benefits from is he's still learning how to play the quarterback position in the NFL, Kyler Murray. And a lot of these young quarterbacks coming in have that have that trait, the ability to move around, unlike a, a Tom Brady or, you know, go down the list of, of pocket passers who have made their way by being smart and getting the ball out, knowing where to go and how to beat the blitz and how to handle pressure. Yeah. You look at the number for for J- numbers for Jacob Eason, like we did the uh, QBR when pressure. He's second to worst in the entire class. Burrow's one, two is two, Hertz is three. You know, there's a reason those guys are there. Uh, quarterback, the QBR when blitzed. Eason is second to worst again. Burrow one, two or two. Hertz and Herbert and Love are all kind of right behind them. So it, it, you have to be able to do one or the other. And handling pressure was not what he did really well. And, and I think ultimately that's, that's going to be the biggest issue for him. He's got to learn how to handle pressure, where it's coming from, how to set his protections, all those sorts of things that he just hasn't been able to, to get. And then 
he hasn't played well under pressure in big games. And I just I think when he stays too locked on his first read. So there's a lot of developing mentally that has to go into his game where he's got all the physical tools to, to have success. Yeah, he's the kind of guy just to sub finish up. He would have benefited, I think, when you say, why not he go back? Come back. Yeah, yeah, but 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 the but is Ahmed leaves early the running back. Yeah. Bryant the tight end. Offensive lineman, center, Harris gone, tackles gone. Yeah, rece- so, receiver, yeah, yeah. receivers gone. I'm not a big fuller guy, but yeah, some of the yeah. receivers are gone. So, but I think the talent around him wasn't coming back. So maybe he looked at that, but here's typically a guy you would have loved to have seen with the Huskies. A coaching change, no longer Chris Peterson, but I get all that, but you'd have loved to have seen him go back and, and try it as a veteran now, working on some of the things that we are talking about, see if he got better in those areas. I, the thing that sticks out to me is I, I don't know if this guy in three years is a starter or he's a Seattle Dragon. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of that Zach, Met, Zach Mettenberger thing, Todd, where you just don't know. Like, there's there's tools there, but I knew. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to put all together. All right, you each get 30 seconds because we got to get into these teams. Mel, by the way, thanks for the shout out saying uh, swagger and intangibles to me. But Mel, who's another one more most interesting guy in the draft? Kind of the mystery guy. Give me one. Give you one guy that's a mystery guy in this draft that you don't know what he's going to be. I'll, you know, I'll give you a guy I like, and, I, and the people are down on him. I'll give you a guy, Todd, yeah. it, 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 and I don't get it. I understand technique-wise he's got to improve a little bit, plays a little high, but I watched this kid after we got back from the combine a little ball. more. Andrew Thomas, to me, is a daggone good player. And people are down on him. If he's the fourth tackle taken, I'll take him in a second. So I like Andrew Thomas. I like him at Georgia. People started, hey, he's this. He's overrated. He's not overrated. Maybe they're underrating him. I I think Andrew Thomas is getting unfairly criticized. I think we have five really good tackles in this class, starting with Tristan Wirfs at Iowa, Bama's Jedrick Wills, Mackay Becton, who put up ridiculous numbers at 364 pounds. Andrew Thomas, you're right. He's a good, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a late first rounder. And I think and that's he's going to be a starter in the league. That's and, a bargain. Yeah, sure. But McShay, you're dodging Josh, the question. Who's, Josh, who's I'm, your most I'll get there. Guy. And Josh Jones, the, uh, the Houston offensive tech. So for a group that we thought a few months ago, well, it's just an okay group. That, they showed up at the, at the combine. They worked out well. And I think a lot of teams are excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Grant Delpit. Good call. I, I had him as one of the top 10, 12 players in the draft coming into this year off based off of 2018 tape. And if you just if you were dropped on this planet in August and you just studied 2019 tape, you'd say, eh, he's probably like a third rounder. He misses too many tackles. Tackles. He was inconsistent. Um, but he had the ankle. He did have the ankle. And, and yeah, you can make excuses, go back and forth. And if you, again, study 2018, he's a first round pick. I'm just, I'm interested to see where he winds up going. Xavier McKinney should be and deserves to be the, the first safety taken coming out of Alabama. Delpit's going to be interesting. I just finished up the Antoine Winfield tape and I don't give you credit very often. His, you know, I wasn't sure what he was going to be. Damn, I like him. I mean, I, he, lots can, of dams on this show. Can, yeah, Four. sorry. I'll watch my mouth. It's okay. Tate's it's not McShay listening. Nightclub. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Winfield. You can say where's his exact position. You can talk about the durability, which is an issue, and he doesn't have ideal height. But his dad, I remember, was one of my favorite players in the league. And it was because he was undersized, and he showed up every week with his instincts, his toughness. He hit some snap in his hands, and the ball was in the air. It was his. It wasn't yours. It was his. And that's the same thing with Winfield. You watch the first defensive series against Penn State, play two and play three. 
he rips this receiver to shreds and goes and makes an open field tackle and just snaps the the ball carrier down. And then second play, like flips his hips, turns vertical, and, and goes and tracks the ball and, and goes up and gets it. So right, your thirty the, seconds are over. Sorry, all right. All right. Uh, I like Antoine to, Winfield is, is my point. Grant Delpit is. Is I'm glad you're finally on board to Winfield. I'm glad you're finally on board to Winfield. I'll just throw one guy out in five seconds that figures into that category is Jared Pinkney, tight end from Vanderbilt. Number one tight end coming into the year. Now you could argue there are five, six tight ends that could go higher. This is a guy, for whatever reason, fell off the map, didn't run well. Everybody's down on one. But two years ago, going into this past season, you looked at him as maybe a guy could go in the late first, early second, number one tight end. So I'll, I'll go Jared Pinkney, throw him into that category. Guys, that was the best damn most interesting players in the draft segment we've ever done. I'll clean up my language. All right. Here we go. Jags, Colts, Texans with their no first round pick and Titans. We're jumping into Jags, guys. Let's do five it's on the each AFC of these South. teams. AFC <laughs> South. Hey, the Jags got two first round pink picks, but they also might be bad at football. I don't I'm not in love with this roster, Todd. What's the deal? I'm I'm like sitting here looking and going. Well, at least they have Gardner Minshew. I don't like it. Yeah, it's amazing how close they were to, to getting the Super Bowl two years ago and, and kind of what's happened with, with this roster. There's still talent, obviously, but yeah. it just it, it seems to be trending the wrong way. It seems like they're just kind of floating in the sea right now, if you will. Just You don't really know which direction they're headed and if they have the proper course and, and all those things. You know, they pick at nine, they pick at 20, then 42 in the second round, 74. So they get four picks in the top 74. They need help, in my opinion, at offensive tackle. They need help at, at defensive tackle. They could use help at, at, uh, at cornerback is another area. I mean, there's linebacker. several. Yeah, linebacker. So there's several different positions that they can go. I think you're sitting at nine and see how the board falls. I, I gave him at one point, Javon Kinlaw. The physical freak out of South Carolina is somebody who can play a little inside and outside um, and and just give you a little bit more in terms of pass rush and impact plays. Tristan Wirfs I, I gave recently. I don't know that he's still going to be around at that point now, uh, but we just talked about all the offensive tackles. So there, there will be one there, and there very likely will be a, a good starting offensive tackle option at 20, and, and maybe it's Thomas, Kuyper's boy, uh, coming out of Georgia. So... I think they're going to be able to fill those two needs. I think C.J. Henderson is a possibility if you want to use that ninth pick, the Florida corner, cornerback uh, on a corner. And then linebacker you mentioned as well, Mel. I mean, at 20, do you get into the, the Kenny Murray uh, out of Oklahoma discussion at that point? Probably too early. Patrick Queen from LSU is a really good off-the-ball linebacker. But, uh, but I, I think probably – at forty two seventy four is where you can get an effective linebacker. Yeah, you're right about. It. I mean, a couple of years ago, they they really had New England beaten, and they're on their way. And Bortles is the quarterback, and everything's rolling, and Coughlin's having a great time, and he's up there cheering his team. And boy, they lose that game, and then the wheels come off. So kind of when Atlanta lost to New yep, England in the Super exactly. Bowl game, they could have won Atlanta. The wheels came off after that loss to to New England. So New England kind of ruined two teams. They ruined Atlanta, and they kind of ruined Jacksonville. Um, the Jags were 28th in rush defense. Telvin Smith's retirement really hurt. That's why I think linebacker is a key boy. area need. They couldn't stop anybody there. Uh, they got issues as it mentioned. Issue as it folds on both sides. There's a lot of uncertainty, but uh, they better hit on those two first round picks. Todd, what do you think about Gardner Minshew? I mean, it's not it's not a draft question, but it's, it's a an great ups- backup. It's man. an upside question, and it's I, you know, great backup. I, people goof on me. Hey, you like Gardner Minshew? I mean, yeah, I liked him as a six. Yeah, and I and I think he he's, <laughs> he's proven that he can be a really good backup, and he can come in and do exactly what your backup is supposed to do: give you a shot to win some games, yeah. and that's what he did. 
And so you, you have to assume that he can only continue to develop on that. Uh, now, the other part of the equation is defensive coordinators now have NFL tape to study of him right. and their tendencies that they'll, they'll have in, in their back pocket if, if the starter goes down. But you can't, you can't look me in the eyes and tell me that the plan is Gardner Minshew. I mean, it just can't be. So, so what are we doing? You know, what, what, and, and we're talking at number nine. Should we be drafting a quarterback? That's here? kind of my question. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and my answer would be yes. It, it really would be. Even though we talk about defensive tackle, offensive tackle, corner, linebacker, all those positions, Mel, why wouldn't you be looking at a quarterback? Let's say if, if yeah. Justin Herbert falls after Burrow goes one and Tua Tungavailoa goes five, just throwing those out there, you're sitting at nine ahead of, Vegas at 12, Indy at 13, Tampa Bay at 14. Why wouldn't you consider taking quarterback if you if you gave Herbert a grade that high or Jordan Love out of Utah State a grade that high that warranted it? Yeah, the problem is when you have two, do you have one? And they're saying, well, Minshew Foles. I mean, I mentioned you know, what New England did to, to Jacksonville. Well, Foles against New England kind of made Foles. You know, and then all of a sudden he's parlaying that into the starting job and it didn't work out. But Foles, Minshew, you have two. Do they feel like we're okay there? One of those two seizes control at the position. We're moving forward there. But we got other major holes, as I said, 28th in rush defense. I mean, they got a lot of issues on both sides. You mentioned the line, uh, different things going on on both sides, major things that they got to fix. So I think they probably wouldn't, uh, but sure they could because you say, oh, are those two guys going to be better than what they have? But certainly they made the move to get Foles after winning a Super Bowl and doing what he did. Minshew's surprise. I think they feel good enough with one of those two. Whoever wins that job, I think they feel secure enough in that to go uh, another direction other than quarterback. Todd's such a pro, Mel. I don't want to knock you, but I, I ask a benign Gardner Minshew question, and he takes it exactly where I wanted to go. It's really good. I don't know hey, if it's a credit to me or not. Uh, you know, Todd, you know what they're going to do? They're going to take Anthony Gordon in the third. So the guy that Minshew beat out at Washington State uh, has to follow him up again. It'll, it'll be great. It'll be really fun. All right, Kuiper, you can lead off with the Colts here. I, I mean, on paper, this is the team we were, like, most excited about last year. Um, and then luck happened. And then even then we said, well, you know, Brissett's pretty good. They give him a contract. And it just – now we, I, we don't even know where we are with this team at this point. They're they're picking at thirteen overall. Then they have the thirty fourth in round two. So they got a couple in round two. They got the forty fourth. I mean, they got they got four picks in the top seventy five. Mel, but you know, where's it? What's which direction is this team pointed? What, what should they do? I thought they were going to the Super Bowl with right. Andrew Luck. I really did. I thought this was set up perfectly. That Boward and Reich and 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 with Andrew and the line and all the things they had going and whew, boy that that. The retirement just destroyed their team, and uh, and the Brissett held his own for a while. But then you saw that they need to improve that position. There's talk about Philip Rivers, so they got to get the quarterback. If they get Philip Rivers, then there's hope with Costanzo back now. The line they need obviously another receiver. They got to go pretty much offense. You think unless they see Kinlaw, Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, too good to pass up in the first round because they do need help at that spot. Kinlaw would be a big boost to that interior defense. But I think when you look at at wide receiver, um. That's an area where you hope, if you're them, that Judy or Lamb are there, uh, or Ruggs, one of those three. If you can get one of those three, I think that's the direction they'll go. Pick one of the three that you think will drop to the Colts. Uh, I think offense is where they're going to need to go, like I say, unless they, they feel like Kinlaw is too good. But I think the offense has to obviously, with if they, it is Phillip Rivers, with behind that line, you add Judy, Lamb, or Ruggs with Hilton, then you got something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I mean, 
13, if, if Justin Herbert or, or Love or Jordan Love are there, do you, do you pull the trigger? Obviously, it, it has a lot to do with what they wind up going, doing in free agency, as you mentioned, Mel, at the quarterback position. But you know, I, I know Chris Ballard, I'm, I'm told, Chris Ballard likes Brissett. I think he has a reasonable expectation for him, but, but really believes he can continue to develop, which I think, we, like you said, we saw some, some positives out of him. But is he, can he take you to that level where they've built this, this roster's really good. You know, they've got talent on, on all aspects. Their offensive line is really good. And Marlon Mack's a good running back. Quentin Nelson, exactly. Costanzo, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. is back. Um, Marlon Mack there. So, yes, you gotta get a, another receiver to go with Ty Hilton, or T.Y. Hilton. You gotta, you know, Funchess is gone fine. It is likely the case, Devin Funchess. Um, you've got to, I think, probably, Add some depth in the secondary, maybe another edge rusher, some interior pass rush. But you're pretty good in a lot of those areas. So so you're sitting there at 13. Jerry Judy's probably going to be off the board. C.D. Lamb could be there. There's a possibility. Um, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion, are the next two receivers. Rugs. With with Rugs, I think those three. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you're looking for. They're they're kind of different receivers. Rugs brings the most speed. Jefferson's the best on contested catches, and Ayuk, um, I, I think, is probably the most sudden, best after the catch that kind of thing, and, and brings some punt returnability as well. So you're going to have a chance to get one of these top four receivers, and, and hopefully a, a big time difference maker. But it will all come down to that quarterback position. What do you think, Mel? What are, you, are you in on Brissett, or are you saying this is a meddling? No, no this team was built for Andrew Luck, unfortunately. That that, that retirement hit. But Rivers it, it, can provide a oh, lot Rivers, of what yeah. – yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he, you got a chance to make to turn it right back around and, and be chasing the Super Bowl. Yeah, and Rivers and Reich, and then you think about the connection there and the offensive line built for a guy like Luck. Rivers, obviously, at his age, mm-hmm. not mobile, uh, behind that Charger line, which was horrible. We saw the, even the Raiders get sacks against that backup, those backup tackles, only sacks they oh, really had. thrilled uh, to play behind this line. Yeah, would you imagine doing that? So uh, you think about uh, this offensive line that Indy built for luck. Now you bring in Philip Rivers with the connection to Reich. It makes sense. His team could be back. I haven't at, heard Rivers at anywhere contention. else. That's yeah. the only team I continue to hear. And maybe just Not because Tampa? it's so so obvious. I haven't really. I mean, have you really heard that from someone from anyone you trust in the league? Uh, my wife might have mentioned it. Okay. No, seriously. I, no, I, have, no, I, I don't. I, I'm saying don't it, it's, it's possibly logical if they just decide to punt on Jameis. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to jump into the Houston Texans. You talk about enigmas of a team. You got a team here, Mel. It's ten and six. They got outscored last year. They're all in. We we could see it for the trade for Tunsil. They don't have a first round pick. They do have the second, the third, fifty, but they're they're, they're not walking up till fifty seven overall. Yeah. They have the number one hundred two pick. I mean, it's weird. It's an all in team that we don't know how good they are, and obviously. They have to be good, or they have to have that quarterback on the field, Deshaun Watson, if they want if they want to be good. But even then, I, I, it's it's hard to say. What is this team going to be doing in free agency and including the draft? Yeah, they went all in for this year. They got that big lead against Kansas City at Arrowhead, and boy, before you could blink, you get the halftime, you're down, and they rolled them in the second half. So again, that was a case where again, it's Deshaun Watson time. If it wasn't Deshaun Watson quarterback in this team, where would they be? 
And you talk about an MVP for what he's meant to this franchise and to Bill O'Brien, and they kind of went all in, getting tonsil, doing the things they did there, and it didn't work. I mean, if you're going to make moves, you're making moves to try to get to a Super Bowl. The Chiefs were in their way, and the Chiefs uh, got the best of them. But I think if, if this team defensively, you think about what they were and what they are now, some of the star power that they used to have on this football team. You know, you think about, and, and you think about J.J. Watt, Clowney, Merciless. All these guys were together on that same defense. one with Cunningham they brought in uh, via the draft in the second round out of Vanderbilt. So they've had pieces and the pieces move on. But Watson's the one common thread here that gives them hope. But they still have a lot of work to do. And like I said, when they made those moves, now they don't have a pick until, what are you talking about, the late 50s? 61. Yeah, 61 now. Yikes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how, how are you going to fix these issues? And you got, you know, you got Jonathan Joseph and, and Bradley Roby set for free agency. Um, you need, you need another edge rusher. You could, you know, interior, you, you need another pass rusher, I think, in order to kind of bring out the best in JJ Watt. And also if JJ Watt's not able to stay healthy, then you've got another body there. Um, the front seven, I think you're pretty good as long as you're bringing another pass rusher, but how are you going to get a, an impact pass rusher, a corner and handle the running back situation? Now, granted, there's a lot of time and, and free agency, and there's a lot of bodies. And Lamar Miller, uh, Carlos Hyde, they're they're unrestricted free agents. What you know? What's the situation going to be when it all shakes out? But but yeah, I, I think focusing on the defense and then figuring out the running back position so that you can provide the the balance and make sure that you got a guy who can catch the ball and, and be that outlet for Deshaun and, and also can protect a little too um, to to buy him some extra time. I'll tell you what, you know, capping this. I mean, if you on paper. If Watson's at his best, if Will Fuller's on the football field, I mean, the splits with Watson when Fuller was on or off the field are striking. I mean, he's a completely different quarterback. He goes from elite yep. to kind of second tier. I mean, there's a lot there on offense. I think, Todd, you're right. I mean, the questions at quarterback on defense, I just, my question is, is like, is there enough cap draft? I mean, they're going to have to be really creative to, to make themselves better. Yeah, when you've, got, when you've got your, your top two corners, but they, they drafted Lonnie Johnson a year ago, and yeah. they're going to hope for him to continue to develop. Can Gary Uncomely kind of become the guy that he was supposed to be coming out of Ohio State? Um, so they've, they've got some younger guys, but, but you're, you're going to have to bring in a veteran or, or get lucky. In, with a second, third round draft pick in order to, to solidify that cornerback spot. And obviously you're, you know, you're you're looking at a defense that is not as great up front in terms of pass rush, so you gotta be even more buttoned up in the this, in the back yeah, the back four. This all impacts Tom Brady. You wanna go and play against Patrick Mahomes when you're with the char- with the Chargers, or do you wanna go to the Raiders and deal with Patrick Mahomes to try to win that division, or do you wanna go to a division with you know, maybe it's Phillip Rivers, who knows? Deshaun, but a lot of question marks on that team. Jacksonville, iffy. You, you, if you got Mike Rabel and your Tennessee and your no, Tom this Brady, is, this is a killer segue yeah. to the Titans, Mel. I like this setup here. That's a Tom Brady. I mean, is it Tom Brady? We, we'll yeah. find out pretty soon. But uh, is it Ryan Tannehill? Uh, you know, what's going to happen there? But they got to feel pretty good about the, where they are with this team now, with Rabel and the improvement that they made. They made a heck of a run. Uh, they did a great job. Now they have an attitude about that team, a confidence level that that team may have been lacking at times. Um, 
you know, they're, it's going to be interesting to see what Brady does. Because uh, Tampa Bay, always hear that. They're mystery team. Where is, where is he? Back to New England. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Where is Tom Brady land? This seems to be, if I'm Tom Brady and I want a best shot to try to win a Super Bowl, and then Rabel and him, that connection, Todd, doesn't it seem like on paper Tennessee makes a lot of sense? Makes the most sense. It really does. And, yeah, maybe, maybe Philip Rivers is in your division, but I'd rather Rivers and, and Minshew – and Deshaun versus Mahomes. Seriously, I mean, it just it basically comes down to that. And it, what's interesting to me is if it is Brady, what happens to Ryan Tannehill? Because Tannehill, if you go look at his numbers as a starter last year, and it wasn't like four or five games, it was basically the whole season. If you look at his numbers, he was up there in the top five in, in most important categories in terms of just efficiency. And, and he finally put it all together, and he loves this system, and he fits in, in terms of what they're trying to do. So if you're Tannehill, you're saying, man, I just finally put together the year I was dying my whole pro career to put together. I was a receiver at Texas A&M that got bumped to quarterback. I was learning on the fly behind an offensive line that stunk, but with wide receivers that were average at best, with a run game that was inconsistent, with an organization that was a mess in Miami. I finally get to the spot that I want to be, and I, I give you everything I've got and show you I can stay healthy for a full season and in comes Tom. And so now do I take off and go somewhere else and try to duplicate it, or do I sit here for the next two, three years and start to rot away in terms of age? And by the time I get this job, I could be – I don't know how old he is hey, right now. Tom but. did it to Drew Bledsoe back in the day. Drew thought it was his yeah, job. Yeah, maybe he can do and it yeah, to Tom. And now Daniel figures it's my team. No, here comes Tom. Here Tom came in, and, and Drew Bledsoe had to move on. And, and uh, Bledsoe, he thought it was Bledsoe his was team. good, but he's, he's not Tom Brady. So no, Tannehill's good, but he's not Tom Brady. Either. But, so, but this is Tom Brady at forty-two. Oh, I, I thought you meant the reverse, like that Tannehill was going to somehow beat out Tom Brady. Oh, no. No, no, I don't think so. No, they, they ain't starting they, to worry about you. They ain't bringing no, him no. in and saying, "All right, quarterback no. competition no. time." So, Mel, no. let's let's go through this real quickly, yep. though. Jack Conklin could be gone. Yep. But man, the weapons look good there. When you when AJ Brown is what he became there. Corey Davis is your number two. You're not crying. You got the slot and Humphreys like. The offensive line's there. You can obviously run the ball. Are you focused on defense, or is it that right tackle spot with an Andrew Thomas type if Conklin's out of there? Well, that's the thing, and Conklin's a really good player. Uh, you can't have everybody coming back, but uh, you could add somebody via you know, the draft. Not late, though, because they're late first. I think, and we talked about pass rusher as an area they could look at. Uh, Gross Matos from Penn State is who I mocked out. I think you had him thinking about in that area with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think they could go that route, add another weapon on offense, but I think their offense, if they can get that tackle secured, really did come on uh, and really did a good job. And if you add Brady, fine. If you had Tannehill's back, we'll see if he can develop on what happened that first year and not be a one-year wonder uh, with, the, with the situation they have at Tennessee personnel-wise. Uh, you know, defensive backfield could add somebody there. But I think edge rusher, if you had to say what's the big issue there, uh, I think that would be something with Gross Matos. Uh, you know, Chason's not going to be around that long. Who's the best pass rusher late first-round, Todd, that could still be there? Davidson's really not the guy from Auburn. Epinesa, A.J. Epinesa from Iowa, if he slid down that far. Uh, but I, I thought Gross Matos, with his length, doesn't quit on a play. Productive kid at Penn State uh, would be a fit for Tennessee. Yeah, if Conklin's gone, I think, I think now you, you do have to look at offensive tackle. Yeah, but who's going to be there in the late yeah, first? If, if Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Andrew Thomas, probably all going to be gone. So if you're talking about Josh Jones from Houston. Is a he may not be there. 
He may not be there either. I mean, all five could go in the top 25, 27 picks. So, but I'm saying if one of them's there, mm-hmm. then you have to strongly consider that if, if Jack Conklin's gone and assuming you haven't filled that void in free agency. Uh, yeah, I agree. Edge, Edge certainly could be a, a spot that they could try to improve upon. And, and I would put it up there near the top. I also think when you look at, um, at the cornerback position, you know, Logan Ryan, mm-hmm. what's going to happen there? So bringing in another corner would be uh would be important as well so you know when when you win you pick late in the first and and you're not guaranteed of anything but i I do think that they're from a roster standpoint they're in a really good solid position even if tom brady's not even included in all of this you know with with their run game if jack conklin leaves yeah you got to fix that and you want another edge rusher and you want a corner but there's plenty of guys in free agency that you can bring in and, and try to bolster but this is a pretty solid balanced roster from top to bottom think about this division if brady comes to tennessee if, if rivers comes to indy with Deshaun watson there jacksonville's got to figure it out with Foles or Minshew. but you got three teams with watson rivers and brady that are all thinking boy this is our division so it'll, that'll, that'll be very competitive hotly contested and it'll be probably the most intriguing division in the nfl if those things happen it really is guys this is we're hit we're about to hit an hour here so i'm getting that look this was a high calorie episode. We had the most. I know interest- we're, we're an hour max, Todd. I never got the rule on that one. The most interesting so players in the hour. draft. Uh, we got a lot of McShane nightclub references, and we said D A M N like sixteen times. What do you think, Daniel? Did you get the official counter? It's like Mel's. Have- it's like Mel's Baltimore mentions this year. Fourteen times he said. <laughs> wow, that's outstanding. Did he really? Wow. Fourteen. All right, guys, we're gonna do it again uh, next week. I'll try up. to come up with another four. genius topic. And uh, and we'll knock it out. What division are we on next week, Daniel? NFC North. Oh baby, that's an interesting division. They got a they got a Calvert Hall safety in that division, so yes, I know it's going to be good. Todd, Mel, Chris, that's it for first draft for this week. Tune in next week for the Baltimore mentions.